1: Alright, so through the magic of um, many means of conveyance and uh, uh, some lovely movers, uh, we are in a new, I guess one of the official locations of the It's Pretty Okay podcast. Huzzah! Yeah, after nearly five years of living in Arlington on one road, I moved to Arlington on the same road a little bit further <laughs> down.
0: Um Congratulations to you on, on taking a big step and yeah. making a significant change in your life. Yeah,
1: it was so close that the movers had to make two stops. Um <laughs> and I was like, No, no, it's not gonna be that big a deal. And they were <laughs> like, Oh yeah, it's not. Um but yeah, Max is Max is here from what's the place called that you're from? Clam Clam City? Boz Town? Town. Oh Bowestown. No, Boz is in, Bo, oh Bozeman, Montana, yeah.
0: Oh neat. Her Missoula is lovely this time of year. We actually know someone who is from Missoula, so we could ask. I'm I'm familiar. Um, I don't know if they listen to the podcast, but they should. Uh, ho- hopefully so. Hey, hey man, uh, but one of so obviously one of the the first priorities when a uh, a, a young man moves into a, a new domicile mm-hmm. is to set up the television. Oh, I thought it was bringing in your crock pot and toilet paper. I mean, those are high (laughs) priorities too, but I I don't think they quite reach the level of let's get the TV set up. Yeah. Uh, And and notably, you've got to make sure that you get uh, that TV set up so you can watch cooking shows on the Food Channel or on Viceland, right? Yeah,
1: but there's a problem with that because I want both, but... Both might not exist for very much longer.
0: Oh, interesting. So, uh, so so, tell us a little more about that. So I believe a couple
1: weeks ago, um, uh, so Action Bronson, who is kind of a controversial figure, at least certainly musically, um, he's okay. gotten – there's been protests, so he doesn't go to certain events because of his treatment of women and his, his music. I, I, I believe it. But he's had a very—he just came out with a new album, and he's had a very fruitful relationship with Vice, mm-hmm. and music was around it. And also, he has a number of television programs that on true. the Vice Network, which is a which is a cable ViceLand, Viceland yes. which is a ta- cable television network. Correct. So he recently announced that their partnership has ended. Seemingly amicably, but maybe not. I I got the sense that it was not super amicable. I know actually. it was written versus how it felt, and I would agree with that. But um, that has ceased to exist. Max, I, have you ever watched the Viceland Network? It seems like your current living situation, the folks that you live with might enjoy it.
2: No, I, I've never... Okay. Never watched that.
1: He, among other things, uh Action Bronson did uh what are they they got high and watched um Alien the they <laughs> it was a show where they yes. watched the Alien show on History Channel. Okay. And they're just high and they're reacting to it.
2: Mm, sounds riveting.
0: Yeah, but the main the uh the, the main uh thing on Vice that really made him famous was a program called Fuck That Fuck That's Delicious. Yes. And you know he and his uh his his friend Mayhem Loren and mm-hmm. DJ The Alchemist mm-hmm. um would would go to interesting places and so there it, it wasn't a cooking show but it was a food it was a food experience yes.
1: show and and similar to – and this kind of goes into the other part, the double-pronged issue with Vice. Um, Eddie Wong used to be on – have a Viceland show, and mm-hmm. he no longer does. It's seemingly because it costs a lot of money to put on these shows. I believe that. Yeah. And also Vice has said that it is going to cut costs a pretty significant amount in the past week. Um, how much that has to do with also their ongoing having to pay people for having to, a really bad culture there
0: is unclear to me. <laughs> I don't know if it should be. I feel like it should be pretty clear that that's got something to do with yeah, it. it. Yeah, it probably um, does. But it also, you know, I mean, are they having to, to get two plane tickets to Budapest for big body best every time they oh, go this somewhere? this is a good point. Or, or, I mean, or for Action Bronson for that matter. I mean, yeah. he is he is a wide man. Wide man. Uh, I mean, all three of them—him and Bess and and Mayhem Loren—are all hefty fellows. Um, In any case, it, no, it's it's not all it's not all plane tickets for yeah. them. But uh, and and you know, we we also uh, certainly both enjoy Maddie Matheson a great mm-hmm. deal, uh, and he he this year uh, launched a new cooking show on Vice called It Supper Time, yeah. where he would mix some of the uh some of the food experience stuff that you might see on fuck that's delicious in with actually showing you how to prepare mm-hmm. you know uh prepare meals um but if if this keeps going further and vice keeps having to cut costs yeah i mean it's not out of the realm of possibility to think that viceland might be kind of done
1: Which is crazy because, you know, and I asked Max because I have a similar, you know, there's some friends I know who really like watching the network. And Thursday night, it's just kind of the thing, or whatever night, if you're there Thursday night, it's the thing that is on from like 9 p.m. on. And they say, oh, we got to watch this show or that show. And a lot of them are food based. I mean, we all seemingly everyone RH has an appreciation for the, you know, various Anthony Bourdain platforms. Um, yeah. and shows a lot of these are shows that come out you have the experience and then also honestly it's it's a holdover from really the early 2000s when you had things like Emerald, which we've talked about before and you know even shows like Paula Deen or maybe mm-hmm. In a Garden Ina Garten is, is don't your don't you
0: get her name wrong I, she's a saint
1: I didn't she's like, Tessa um, even you, you know uh, a Jada show um, and uh, I, I you know martha stewart i mean these are all things that i think we grew up and they're very interesting now you've got vice land which is a kind of a younger version these are you know there's a lot of i think now you get different tastes and flavor flying all over the world and going and seeing like this place has really cool food let's talk about it and let's make it too but with vice closing where are those shows gonna go
0: yeah i mean it's it's a it's a good question. It's a tough question. Vice, you know, Vice was interesting because they had you know, they had a lot of that travel and experience around the world aspect. But they also still kept a really firm footing in New York. I mean, I was a huge Jesus and Mero devotee. Yeah. I was watching it every like I watched every episode. Um and, and really really loved it. Um but I think you know, we were uh, we were talking last night when we were out at a bar having dinner and drinks, and you proposed an idea for what we should do yeah. with some of these vice cooking shows.
1: Yeah. I mean, as as anyone who's ever met me would know, I am a solutions architect and I'm trying to solve problems that maybe you don't even know exist, but I decide that they exist. <laughs> I'm gonna mute you around the horn style. <laughs> but So this is – there are some cooking shows, some known quantities there that people definitely enjoy and I think would, especially in this age of you will follow your content wherever it goes, case in point, something like Twin Peaks. It's like I guess I'm going to sign up for Showtime for a couple months so that
0: I can go watch the new Twin Peaks reboot or whatever. I don't know that we have data to support how many people Uh, signed up for Showtime (laughs) because of Twin Peaks, the return. But I do agree – I do agree that there is, you know, and, and we see it a lot with sports too. You know, you root for more and more people are growing up and especially in the age of really ubiquitous fantasy sports. People are rooting for players more than they're rooting for laundry. Yeah. So, so where where do we take these shows, Pierce? So,
1: you've got reality sort of TV or documentary style food shows, plus traditional cooking shows. Yeah. And what is a network that We've maybe drifted away from because it's kind of set in some ways from the old the the early two thousands is the Food Network, Ooh, which I don't know about you Max, but did you watch that a lot when you were younger? Yes. Do you how still... much younger? <laughs>
2: <laughs> do, you, <laughs> you,
1: do you do you still engage with it? Is really a question I would ask.
2: Um, yeah, not as much.
1: If you're at your parents' house, are you are you guys maybe watching Food Network? I don't know what
2: you guys no, watch. No, no. You're just
1: you're just talking about the the high minded things that you read yes okay
0: i mean i i will tell you i i enjoy the food network but right now my primary engagement with food network is the cutthroat kitchen drinking game <laughs> and like that is a that's a bad sign for the food network's continued viability
2: great sign for burnett's continued line <sighs> viability, though <laughs> oh. no thank you uh
0: so i think that and you mentioned cutthroat
1: kitchen and this is something when i get to is uh I enjoy Chopped as much as the next person. Uh-huh. Um, I haven't really seen Cutthroat Kitchen. Uh and but both are instances of there's a lot of reality television food programming on there that and there are a bunch of reruns. I think they're saturating that a lot. It's yeah. not this isn't uh like WB fifty where it's all reruns. It's like no, you you are the you are the food network
0: You're you supposed sh- to be producing food in- content and i suggested last night that between the between the sheer volume of reruns mm-hmm. of chopped and top chef and the, i guess top chef is bravo but of of these food competition shows and the advent of cutthroat kitchen where it's become almost more of a gimmick it's not so much about cooking as it is about being able to cook while you're wearing a sumo suit or something like that yeah. that food network is running out of ideas and and so I, I really enjoyed this idea when you put it forth last night. I said, "Oh, there that would be a great place." Well, and
1: ultimately, what is this? What is this about now? I think that the model we're moving to is, even if you don't put it on your cable network, you want to own it on your streaming platform. Mm-hmm. So you can still have Cutthroat Kitchen, but maybe you don't have as maybe you have one rerun a day as opposed to two back to back, and it's on your computer or it's on your phone. Max, you seem a little skeptical.
2: Well, so I don't know that Food Network is necessarily running out of ideas. I have a theory here, which okay. is that oh. Food Network used to be the place to go to watch people cook or eat food. Yeah. And so their bread and butter was people cooking and teaching you recipes. Yeah. Uh-huh. But I think that a number of other places, I guess apparently Viceland is one of those that's doing food shows, but there's there's food shows on Netflix, and then even I think the primary place... like you have young people watching tasty videos on the internet. I mean, those are the videos now where people are on their social media and they're watching a video of someone cook. And so Food Network needs to do something different to try to pull in those people. Because if you want to watch people cook a recipe, you don't need to wait till 4.30 to watch Rachel Ray anymore. You can go on tasty or whatever reassert
1: it's the hegemony and you buy up your struggling competitors this is the way this works um you know food network is going to colonize all these feisty upstarts who are you know d- kind of dying off because of the culture that they've created I-, I think that it's difficult to have a cable news channel when you're doing the buzzfeed tasty videos i think buzzfeed is a kind of a behemoth online anymore but um if you're like we're going to put this on a television, we're going to broadcast it. I think that gets hard. So a place yeah. that can support that is food network, but doing something different, I think is really important because this is something that, uh, is interesting to in the younger generation because as we've talked about before, the CBS demographic is dying. And I think that's the people who are watching kind of the traditional cooking shows or, mm-hmm. you know, Jacques Pepin shows up and does an episode with someone that's still really cool. But if, if, Jacques Pépin showed up to an Action Bronson cooking show. That's way more interesting to me than if he shows up in, you know, Ina Garten's kitchen.
0: Yeah, and and so part of uh, part of what I was saying about the Food Network running out of ideas was you know, I think that I think about Anthony Bourdain and I think about the fact that his his programs were on CNN. They weren't on the Food Network. Um, Because more and more, you know, Max, you mentioned that food content is going onto Facebook, you know, Tasty Videos and and the like. But it's also that food, people are, are, I think, are opening their eyes more to the idea that food... Is caught up in way more things than just food. It's caught up in politics and interpersonal relationships and cultures, and the Food Network is maybe has not been the best place for cultures. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, outside of Paula Deen style Southern cooking and whatever dirtbag <laughs> alien because race of guy Yeti is, got booted. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, so it's more it's more just that they i think I think we're all kind of in agreement that the food network is in need of an infusion of something new and I just when I say running out of ideas, I just mean I don't think i don't think the food network shot in the arm should be another competition cooking show with a new gimmick like cutthroat kitchen. i just i really I don't want more of that. I want the same amount of Cutthroat Kitchen that exists now or maybe even a little bit less. Mm-hmm. But I want I want the Food Network to be somewhere that I want to like stop my channel surfing and watch it for a while. Yeah. And I, it's there's only so many meals that you can watch a person prepare in a row. So I, I think that's part of why we get so many reruns of Chopped. You know, because at least there's some competition and suspense to it. But if you had, you know, if you had Matty Matheson being a loud, boisterous person who really loves food and is intercutting, preparing, you know, a a seafood feast with like going back to his hometown in Canada and talking about you know uh, uh, what it meant to have his grandfather prepare a family meal. I think that's something that's really interesting and something that yeah. people would watch.
1: And I don't. I honestly don't know the if if Food Network even has streaming stuff going on. They but, do. But this is. I mean, this is this would expand it, and people could it, go at you. It certainly would. Now there is a problem that Sean, you brought up pretty immediately. Uh, Max, you remember what he said? The name of Action Bronson's show was.
2: Um. Fucking delicious, I think. Oh, fuck, that's delicious. Yeah. Action Bronson
0: and Maddie Madison, uh really like to say words like shit and fuck.
2: Well, they'll fit in perfectly with the Food Network crew. <laughs>
0: yes. Ina Garten, known sailor mouth. Um, but I-, I think that, you know, I-, I think we talked about that. I That was one of my immediate concerns was yeah. when can you put them on? But you, you know, you can air them late We're at night. Work
2: late night. <laughs> I mean, yes, <laughs> this, I would watch it.
0: This is what you do. Okay, so I think
1: this is a great idea because you also mentioned Jesus and Miro, who are not part of the the Vice umbrella anymore. Correct. Um, and uh, I I think that what you do is you put all these shows on at 10 p.m. and later. I mean, you do you could do 10 to two every night. You're like, well, two p- two a.m. is really late. well. What else are they going to put on? You know. Shopped. Yeah, I mean it's mean, <laughs> almost certainly what they're doing now. I mean, I assume these shows are mostly thirty minutes, but you have you have a block on Thursday nights of of ten p.m., 11, and then you know what'd be awesome? Let Action Bronson maybe maybe twice a month, maybe only twice a month have a have a late night show, have a late night
0: show on Food Network. How fun would that I'd be? Probably watch that, and and you know another so another thing we haven't even talked about at all with Vice and and. You know, and their food kind of sub-brand Munchies, is that they have a whole culture, or they have a whole sort of uh, block of, of content that's devoted to uh, the the culture that exists of uh, incorporating weed into cooking. Yeah, and as as that. You know, as more and more states start to decriminalize or legalize marijuana, like, that's going to be something that people are interested in. There's going to be more of a market for, you know, how can we, how can we, who are, you know, are not a business, you know, not a dispensary selling medicinal or recreational weed, like, how can we capitalize on this change in the laws and i think that's something that's a pretty a pretty big potential you know if you're talking generator. if
1: you're talking about markets boston washington dc all of michigan all of colorado which maybe isn't a huge market all of california these are places that Yeah. Okay. If you have a weed cooking show on and and you're, you know, and they fill, you have seasons and everything. You fill time, yes, max.
2: Yeah. And I mean, there's no reason why someone that lives in any other state can't enjoy a weed cooking show. I mean, you might not be able to participate, but like, how many episodes of Food Network do you watch where you actually want to, are you making the same thing next to them? I mean, I don't know.
1: You know, and part of me realizes that Food Network is, you know, they've been around for a while because they're good at what they do and they're looking at these things. So I'm sure they're having these ideas. Vice has in the past because uh, ultimately I guess it's it's a news network. it's a ma- it started as a magazine. it still is a magazine um, and they do a new show on HBO and they do some really good stuff. They did yeah. something really great with the Charlottesville rally um, about a little over a year ago when whenever it was. Um, and so I mean certainly they can shop out their content a little bit, and I think that that would be great uh, but I, I just. I think that this would work out really well for everybody involved. And I would find myself now, I don't have cable right now, so I'd have to figure out a way to get to Food Network. But if you, this is one of those, if we're going to go to a la carte programming, this would bring me in. I mean, to be able to stream stuff on my TV, hanging out on a, a Saturday night, if I was like just kind of pre gaming, putting on, you know, Maddie Matheson would be really cool. Yeah. Um, putting on a, Late night show on Food Network that is nominally about food would be really great, and I think that the place that has the budget to let these people run wild and do great stuff is something like Food Network.
0: Yeah, um, so uh, we'll 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 give you that idea for free. Food Network. Yeah. Um, we we'd like to be hired as your internal solution architects. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I think, you know. More and more, and, and we were talking about this before we started recording, just, you know, about how, um, you know, content and entertainment institutions get replaced. And when, when the you know, the big streaming services like Netflix and, and Hulu are going to truly supplant, you know, cable and broadcast television as the pillars of the entertainment industry, and, you know you've got to be the place where the people who are becoming the primary decision makers in a household get their content. Yeah. And so food network has an opportunity if they do something like this, or maybe, you know, maybe they explore some partnerships with Bon Appetit Yeah, who are, are doing a fair amount of stuff that I, I think is aimed at younger people. You know, we talked about basically 10 by 10 last yeah. week. Uh, they've got, this web producer named Alex Delaney, who they send around to cities with, you know, regional food specialties and have him eat, you know, 33 New York slices in 36 hours or 16 Philly cheesesteaks in a day. Like, that's something, you know, they have a pretty interesting opportunity to kind of reassert themselves yeah. uh, themselves as the place for food content on TV, on the Internet, on whatever platform you want to get your food content from, like they can be that place.
1: And ultimately people that love their jobs and are good at them, which these people are, they should be able to continue doing that. And I think it's just a good place to land.
0: Yep. Any final thoughts, Max Pierce?
1: No. Max, would you watch this?
2: Uh, Perhaps
0: we'll uh we'll we'll maybe we'll get some it's supper time into you soon so you can uh get a feel for it
2: yeah give me the nielsen box and we'll find out
0: (laughs) all right on, on that note now that we're talking about nielsen boxes and we are totally in over our heads uh we should we should move on uh but if you have thoughts on uh what to do with viceland cooking shows or or what the food network should do you know to to win your vote as it were Uh, Come find us on Facebook or Twitter at pretty okay pod and let us know what you think. All right. Now that we've concluded our conversation there, it is time as it is every week for Pierce is sorry. And what are you apologizing for on this Sunday as it gets steadily darker in your apartment? Well, I don't believe in, in light. So uh, let let us (laughs) dive into
1: the darkness. So last week I shared about my time at the Munich airport. Yes. Where I made the mistake of buying coffee in the morning instead of beer, which was a cheaper option anyways. Uh Uh-huh. So some 45 to 90 seconds after this, I realized, okay, I've just had coffee, but I was on a long flight, so I should probably get some water. And I have a... a, uh, a collapsible water bottle which max do you like my collapsible water bottle you're
2: talking about the orange one yes no it feels gross and weird <laughs> yeah.
1: it's actually very useful for for flying and putting in a backpack if you're going to be hiking around but it is odd
2: it's like if someone just took like a like a, a dead snake and filled it with water it's just <laughs> it's odd.
1: so as i was looking to fill my dead snake with water in the munich airport um it's a pretty I'd say a pretty green nation. They've they've made a lot of strides. One thing that they did when they were uh, um, when the east was collapsing, they took a lot of land and they made it into like permanent kind of easements and stuff, so it would you know it lay as it was and not be built on. So it's, they're a very conscious nation. Um, so I figured, oh, there's probably one of those things where I can fill up my water bottle. Yeah. So I went up to the information desk, which I asked for help, which is a big step. Um, but I am going to apologize this week for being an American because, very nicely, but also not stern but uh, astutely, the person I asked for help, I said, "Hey, is there is there a place I can fill up my water bottle?" And they responded, "Oh, there are no water fountains in Germany." And then, without without pausing, they added, "But our tap water, like from the bathrooms." Is Excellent. And so in my mind, I got really angry one because I had just embarrassed myself for asking a very American question. But also, um, I am like going to public school my whole life, I have drank tap water my whole life. So I felt like that was a dig at American tap water. So I got very patriotic about my tap water for a moment there. And I realized how absurd and ridiculous that is. But of course I went and then filled my water bottle up in the bathroom and it was pretty good tap water. So <laughs> it's just a very, it was just a very American series of events. This is what happens when ridiculous. you're tired in an airport and jet lagged. Oh God.
0: Um, all right. Um, so, so thanks for that. Uh, next week we'll we'll maybe have a, a Maxisari where he apologizes for calling your water bottle a dead snake <laughs> um so we'll close the show as we we often do with a big idea from pop culture and uh we're we're pro uh pro reading pro literacy pro words uh yeah, on, on, sure. on this show yeah. and um I talked about, I talked last week about the Virginia Film Festival and the movies I saw, and and I was particularly shouting out if Bill Street could talk, which I really I could probably just use that as my big idea uh, every week until it comes out officially to just mm-hmm. say you've got to go see it, you've got to go see it. I'll be mad at you if you don't. Um, but I'm not going to do that. I I'm going to I'm going to to talk about kind of a a what you might call a cross-platform synergy in my life. Um, I don't like those words together. You you also called yourself a solution architect, so I don't give a shit what words you like. Oh. Um, <laughs> that's my title. You can complain to... <laughs> anyway. Uh, so one of the movies I saw, as I mentioned, was The Front Runner, mm-hmm. which is a, a biopic about uh, 1988 Democratic presidential candidate Gary Michael Hart. Michael Dukac- No. Or, or he was so technically, he was the primary candidate. Yeah, he was not nominated as the presidential uh, nominee for the Democratic Party because of a scandal uh, surrounding an extramarital affair that yes. he had and uh, his his handling of media coverage of that scandal. Uh, and i I was excited for that movie in part because I had read the book uh that it was the movie was sort of adapted from uh yeah. matt Bai, who was uh or who's a political writer who i think was maybe at yahoo uh yahoo news or, or some other such outlet uh wrote about uh he wrote a book about that mm-hmm. time period and that scandal called all the truth is out and yeah. matt Bai was one of the writers of the movie
1: yeah
0: um but I read that book a couple years ago. I'm I was particularly excited about seeing the front runner because I've also been slowly but steadily working my way through this 1100 page opus of a book called What It Takes. And What It Takes is a a book. Uh, really, it's about uh, the the strains of a presidential campaign and what it does to. To people, and, and as such, who who is the kind of person who has the particular delusion that you know they would be a good president, and that they would be good enough that it's a good idea for them to run for president? But it's told specifically through the lens of the run-up to the nineteen eighty-eight presidential election. Ah. So they're following the various uh, people who are were you know. Serious candidates for that presidency: George Bush, Bob Dole, Joe Biden, Michael Dukakis, and Gary Hart. Mm. So, uh, I and I had just kind of gotten to the first chapter about Gary Hart uh, the, fact the that day before I was going to see this movie. Yeah. So I was really, I was excited. Mm. Um, don't don't read what it takes. It's really long. Yeah. Uh, I feel like I've read for. 24 hours and according to my kindle i am 30 percent of the way through the book uh like i said it's 1100 pages it's a lot uh but I, I it's i guess it's a plug for you know for finding things that you're interested in and immersing yourself in those things somehow
2: yeah, yeah. i
0: yeah i think that I mean, I've certainly enjoyed a long
1: nonfiction book this year a lot. Max starts books, right?
2: I do. I start books. I start
0: books. <laughs> I'm Winston Wolf
1: and I start books. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I start books. Um, all right. So uh, anything else you guys want to add? No. Well, then that is the end of the show. You can find us on Facebook or Twitter at Pretty okay Pod or at our home on the web, www.prettyokpod.com. You can find every episode of the podcast there or you can subscribe to our feed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or most other places that you get podcasts. If you do that, please do us a favor, leave a rating, review, comment, that sort of thing, or find a friend who you think might be interested in what we're doing and tell them about the show because we would love to share it with them as well. We will be back again next week as always to talk about something else. Until then, I'm Sean. I'm Pierce. I'm Max. Thanks for listening. Bye.